0: Have you ever said something that you really, really regret? I'm going to judge by the laughter. That means that's about the most common experience that a human being can possibly have. I'll tell you, there are things that I said when I was 14 years old that still wake me up in the middle of the night in a cold sweat. There's these things that you say that just really stick with you, and you think, I can't believe that I said that. Or there's other things maybe we've done, and you're like, I just can't believe that was me who did that. There's these things that we really, really regret. What we're going to talk about today isn't going to erase all of those regrets. But James 3 shows us the way that we can keep those things from happening again. When we talk about James 3, we normally talk about it as the taming the tongue chapter. We're not going to do that exactly today, because James 3 has a lot more to say than just taming the tongue. Plus, that's what Cody's talking about in his Bible class, and I didn't realize that until Wednesday, So we're not going to talk just about taming the tongue. But I think if we really look at the whole chapter 3, we see a progression that James is trying to show us. Where this self-control doesn't start with the mouth. It doesn't start with our actions. It starts in the heart. It starts with what we choose to focus on. And James says, if you get your heart right, you'll get your speech right. And if you get your speech right, you'll get your actions right. And that's what I really think that James 3 as a whole wants us to see. So that's what we're going to look at today. We're going to look at the whole of James 3 and see how finding self-control in our heart will see itself out in the way we speak and act. If you want to start reading with me, we're going to look at the first 12 verses to start together. James 3 verses 1 through 12 says, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouth of horses so that they will obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the course of life, set on fire by hell. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Or can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. And we'll stop there for now. I think it's interesting that James starts this section on our tongue with saying that not many should be teachers. He doesn't really pick that back up. But he starts by saying, whoa now, before you start thinking that you should get up and speaking to God's people, we need to have this conversation. You do know that when you teach God's people, you're going to be held to a higher standard. You're going to be judged more strictly for what you say to the brethren. And I think it's really interesting the reason James gives for that. Because when we think about Bible teachers, maybe sometimes we focus on their knowledge or maybe sometimes we focus on how long they've been a Christian. James doesn't look at any of that. James says, because we all stumble in many ways. We all stumble in our speech. The reason that James gives for we should be careful about reaching out and always being the first one to teach isn't that teaching isn't a good thing to aspire to. It's because we really, really need to be careful and thoughtful with what we say. We need to be really careful that we do not stumble in our speech. In fact, James goes on to say that no one can be perfect in taming the tongue. I grew up hearing this passage, hearing that no one could perfectly tame the tongue. And when I heard it, or maybe sometimes even when I said it myself, I would hear it almost as an excuse to stop trying. Well, it doesn't matter that I said these angry things. I can't control my tongue anyway. Nobody can, in fact. So I'm off, uh, I'm off there. The Bible says so. So I guess that's just how I am. Have you ever heard that? You've heard brash, rude people say, hey, I'm just telling it how it is. I'm just telling it the way I see it. That's not the point of James 3. When James says that no one can tame the tongue, he's not saying it as an excuse to just say whatever you want. In fact, if we really look at it, it's about as opposite of that as you can possibly get. James is talking about here, it is striving for perfection, striving to be made complete in God's path, being made whole in Him. He's not giving us an excuse to use our mouths to just let them run on their own. He's encouraging us to tame our tongues as much as we possibly can. James says if we put bits into the mouths of, how about that? If we put bits into the mouths of horses, they'll follow us. That if we put rudders on ships, they'll follow us. Comparing taming our tongue to the action of bridling. Don't skip over that. James gives us great insight into our self-control. The point here that James is really trying to hammer home is that if we get greater control over our speech, we will have greater control over our actions as well. That once we bring our mouths into alignment with God's, our actions will follow behind. The passage says that taming our mouth is a choice and perhaps one of the greatest aids that we can give ourselves on our Christian walk. That the better our self-control over what we say is, the easier our walk with God will be because we've started to bridle ourselves. But maybe... Maybe I don't fully believe that sometimes. Maybe I don't understand how letting my mouth run wild affects the rest of my Christian walk. That's what James really chooses to hammer on next. Notice the intense pictures that James brings up about how important our speech really is. Talking of it as a flame that starts a forest fire. And not only a flame, but a flame that comes straight from hell. That's not not an incidental, innocent kind of picture. James is saying that when we let our mouths just run wherever they want to, we are using them for the devil's work. We are letting the devil control the power of our tongue. And James says our tongue is immensely powerful. It can be a poison. It can be a weapon. That an untamed tongue is a danger both to ourselves and to others. That we can let our mouths go to the point where they can ruin our lives. This is a big deal. James says, when we speak these careless words of anger, when we speak in thoughtlessness and malice, when we boast or when we lie, we are hurting people. He says, an untamed tongue is not a victimless crime. Notice the comparison that James makes. He says, look, you guys are Christians. You guys are going to come together, you're going to praise God, you're going to sing to Him and to each other, you're going to pray to Him, you're going to say all these great things about how great God is and how you want to follow Him, and that's great. Those are all great, wonderful things. But, if you spend the rest of your time, sort of when we would say outside the church building, if you spend your rest of the time speaking in anger and malice, saying the first thing that comes to your mind, cursing your brothers... None of that that you do when you're together at the church building matters. God's not fooled by that because James says you're exposing where your heart really lies. That if you sit here and you praise God and you say God is so great and I want to follow him, but at the same time you're insulting and attacking those who are made in his image, you don't truly love God. You don't truly want to follow him. You're showing that your heart isn't as pure as it seems like it is on Sundays. I've been guilty of this sometimes where I'll say something off color, I'll say something that's insulting, and I'll say, okay, but that's not really who I am. I know I said that, but that's not really, that doesn't convey who I really am. And James says it does. James says the careless words you say actually do a better job of conveying who you really are than what you say when you're together with the group on Sunday. Let's look together, if you want to, with me at Luke 6. We'll come back to James 3, but look with me in Luke 6. And we'll read verses 43 through forty five. Notice the way that Jesus puts it. For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit, for each tree is known by its fruit. For again, figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks." Jesus says, wherever your heart is, that's where your mouth is going to follow. Sometimes we talk about the, the eyes as the window into the soul, and that has credit. But what Jesus is saying here is if you really want to know where someone's heart is, listen to what they're saying. That'll tell you what kind of person they are, because if they're bearing good fruit with their mouth, their heart is in the right place. And if they're bearing bad fruit with their mouth, that's who they are. Their heart is impure. And that's what James 3 also echoes. It's great to come together and praise God, it's great to encourage each other. Those are all great things. But Jesus says, who you really are, where your heart really is, lies with the careless words that you speak. So we need to really be careful. Where your heart really lies is exposed by what your mouth says. Even when you get cut off in traffic, <laughs> even when, uh, i tell you what happened to me the other day. I was, I was having a great day. I was in a real good mood, and it started raining, and I was trying to carry groceries out to the car, and I stepped in a puddle. And it was cold, and my, my whole right pants leg and my socks just soaked in cold water, and that was all it took. I'm, I'm on fire now. Jesus says, what you say then, that's where your heart really is. We need to be careful about bridling our tongue. It's really easy to say, nobody can do it perfectly, so I'm not going to try. Jesus says, that's not good enough. We need to be working on this. We need to start in our heart and we need to really want to change the way we speak. We need to want to get the anger and malice and the careless words out. We have to desire to do that. So don't give up. Don't settle. Let's strive for having that perfect wholeness in our tongues. If you want to continue in James 3, we're going to pick back up in verse 13 and read through the rest of the chapter. Because normally when we talk about James 3, we kind of leave it off at the taming the tongue part, and we kind of leave it there. I think James' next point shows a solution. I think James gives us the problem in that the tongue is really hard to tame, and then he says, but if you want to work on that, here's what you can do. So let's look at what James says we can do, starting in verse 13. Verse 13. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So we just talked about the trouble of the tongue boasting of these great things, but actually getting us into lots of trouble. And James starts this section with the simple question, who's wise? Who do you think in our group is wise? And I want you to really think about that question. When you normally think of who the wise people are, what decides that for you? And I think for a lot of us, me included, this sort of natural response is, those who I hear say good things. Those that sound smart, that's who I see as the wise. And I think that's sort of what James wants you to answer. He wants you to say, those who talk real well, that's who the wise is among us. And James says, I got you. No, those who are actually wise are those who give examples of serving humbly. They're not those who are always the first to speak. They're not those who boast of great things. They're not maybe the people that make it on the posters and billboards. That's what the world's looking for. That's wisdom of the world. And you want to see where that gets you? It's earthly. It's not of the kingdom of heaven. And in fact, not only is it earthly, it's demonic. It's of Satan's kingdom. That's where this worldly wisdom gets you. James says that's not the wisdom of God. The wisdom of God starts with being pure in heart. It starts with being humble. It starts with being gentle and merciful and forgiving. It starts with listening It starts with being impartial and patient. James says the wisdom of God is a humble heart committed to loving and serving him and loving and serving others. James says if you want to find the way to really tame your tongue, start with stop caring about yourself. Start, with start, start caring about others instead. That if your heart is really committed to being the lowest, your heart is really committed to serving other people, those careless words, those words of anger, those boasts and lies, they're going to follow and they're going to decrease because your heart is where it should be. And those are, that's going to see itself out in actions of righteousness. James says when we truly get our heart in order, not only are the boasts and lies, they're going to go away, but we're going to sow actions of righteousness and peace. We're going to sow the good fruits that Jesus was talking about in Luke 6, but that all starts with the heart. It all starts internally before it can go externally. I think sometimes we have this mistaken notion that I can sort of reverse engineer having good fruits. That if I just start by doing and saying the right things, I will reverse engineer having a good heart. I will have a good heart because I did the right things. That's not the picture that James 3 paints. And it's not the picture that Luke 6 paints either. If you want to go back to Luke 6, we're going to pick up where we left off in verse 46. Notice the next thing that Jesus says. Luke 6, verse 46. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Jesus says there are going to be people that say the right things. They call Jesus Lord. They are on the outside. We would say on Sundays at the church building, they look like they're doing all the right things. When Jesus points this out in Matthew 7, he also says they're doing great actions in my name. You would say they're doing and saying the right things, but yet Jesus doesn't know them because... They never truly followed him in their heart. They never truly got their heart humbled and in the right place. And Jesus says, You want to know who's built on my foundation? It's those that have the good hearts that bear the good fruits. It's those that get their heart right and then act on it. The progression that Jesus shows us is not that you can just do the right things and that be good enough. Jesus says, the way you start a relationship with me is you humble your heart. You truly want to love me and you want to love others. And then that follows in what you say and do. Jesus says, you really want to find the ways where you don't have to wake up in the middle of night thinking about things you said 10 years ago. You want to live that life where you don't regret actions you have. The way you do that is you start by having a pure, gentle, merciful, patient heart. And your life will follow. James 3 isn't a passage about, quote unquote, doing the right things. James 3 is a a passage about being the right person. And in the end product, that might look the same to the outside eye. But to Jesus, those are two very different things. Jesus says, if you give me your heart, the good fruit will follow. I promise you. So if sometimes you're kind of like me, and you do a lot of talking, and you wish that you didn't say a lot of the things you said, Jesus says the first step is you got to get your heart right. The first step is you got to seek that wisdom from above. you got to humble yourself. So that's the passage of James 3. Let's talk just for a few seconds about what we can do with it. And the first thing, just like we were just talking about, is we have to want to change. We have to want to fix our hearts. We need a complete reset here. We've got to own up to the careless words. We've got to acknowledge that who I am when someone cuts me off in traffic is really who I am at the heart. We've got to acknowledge that these careless words, these careless actions that we've done, that shows where our heart was at. And we've got to be ready to fully give our hearts to God. You want to find self-control. You want to find a tamed tongue. These things are never going to happen unless you truly, fully submit yourself to God's will. That's why it's so hard. That's why, as James says, it's borderline impossible. Because it, it takes surrendering all to God. God. So I really want us to ask ourselves, where is our heart at? And that's a tough question. Do I really want to take these sins out of my life? Do I really want to tame my tongue? Because I think sometimes we do a great job doing the show of getting frustrated when I commit that sin for the 10th time this week and i say i want to change so bad and sometimes we need to ask ourselves we just need to really look in the mirror and ask ourselves do i really want to change that bad i was a football coach that once told me you're good at what you're intentional about and i've thought about that a lot the act that what you want to change you will change You will be good at what you are intentional about. Am I intentional about getting these temptations out of my life? Am I intentional about taming my tongue? And far too often in my life, the answer is I'm not. I'm not. I do a great show of repenting really hard in word. I do a really great show of saying I'm so sorry. But I'm never intentional about actually fixing it. So the first question, if you really want to find this self-control, if you really want to find a tame tongue, you need to ask yourself, do I want to change? Am I willing to be intentional about finding this wisdom from God? I'm going to assume for the sake of the rest of this lesson that we are. We are willing to do that. We'll just talk about the two things that James 3 talks about. First, we got to work on our speech. I'm not going to talk about this too much because, again, Cody is going to say it much better than I can in the next hour. He's shaking his head, but it's true. It's true. Um, We only have so many words In our life, I don't know what your number is, but we all have a finite amount of words that we are going to say in this life. And Jesus tells us when our lives are over, we are going to answer for every careless word. Why would you waste your words tearing down other people? You've only got so many. Why waste them being angry, being malicious, being thoughtless? And being insulting, I can't, I can't give you one simple key to get all of the thought, thoughtless, hate, hateful words out of your mouth. I can't do that. But what I can do is give you one thing somebody shared with me that's really helped me over the years. You know, James talked about how can you bless God with your mouth and then curse people that are made in his image. And one time I heard a preacher say, I would tell you his name, but I can't remember who it was. But I I heard a preacher say that the best thing that happened for him in taming his tongue was every conversation he went into. He reminded himself, God loves this person. He loves them just as much as he loves me. And I love this person too. And he said that to himself in his head every single conversation he went into. And he said sometimes he had to say it to himself three or four times in his head. But if you go into a conversation reminding yourself of the powerful love of God, that every person you meet is made in his image, that he loves every person you meet just as much as he loves you, it's going to be a lot harder to look down on people. It's going to be a lot harder to be angry and malicious with people. It's going to be a lot harder to insult and tear down people because you remember they're in the same exact position that you are. So that's the one tip that I have about showing love through our speech is just to remember the power of God's love, to remember that God loves everyone you come across. And that should, if you truly get that and you truly focus on that, change what comes out of your mouth. The last thing we'll talk about before I give you the lesson is let's just practice what we preach. In fact, maybe let's practice a little more than we preach. Some of us talk a lot. I'm the chief most offender. I talk way too much. Let's find ways to be quiet. Let's find ways to serve that don't require talking. There's lots of ways to serve. You can bring food to people who need it. You can do yard work. You can go to someone's sports game. You can give someone who needs it a ride. You can visit the shut-in. Whatever it is, there's lots of evangelistic and serving and encouraging work to be done. Do it and don't tell anybody. Do it and humbly let it go. Jesus says the people who do things for other people to see, they have their reward. Their reward's not with God. Their reward's with the people who saw. But the people who will receive the word from God are people who honestly want to serve him and then do it. I'm really good about saying I'm going to serve and then not always following through. So whatever your thing is, Whatever thing that you've been saying, I really wish that someone at Fairview would get this together. Just do it. Just do it. We need to spend a lot less time saying, I want to do this, and spend a lot more time actually doing what we say we want to do. So whatever it is, whatever service you've been thinking about doing, whatever encouraging you've been thinking about doing, just do it and don't draw attention to yourself. That's the wisdom from above that James 3 talks about. Wisdom from earth, the demonic earthly wisdom, that's let me do something and tell everyone. The wisdom from God is be humble and serve and have a pure heart and let that be good enough. And that's the real message of James 3. If we really want to find this self-control, if we really want to tame our tongues, we've got to change our hearts. We've got to stop focusing on ourselves. We've got to start looking everywhere but ourselves. Our hearts have to be focused outward, not inward. All right, we're going to say a prayer and then we'll go to our classes. Dear Heavenly Father, help us want to change. Help your perfect word cut us to the heart, and please let it reveal a heart of flesh that desires to humbly serve you. Help us monitor our speech. Help us to bridle our tongues in the best way we can. Please remove all lies and boasting and angry words from our lips. Help us to find true self-control. Help us to remove our pride and anything that's in between us and living a life of service to you. Father, we want to grow in you. We want to come into complete alignment with your will as clay in your hand. We desire to follow you in heart and in word and in deed, that we may be founded on your rock that we may be seeds planted in righteousness and peace so that you can be our refuge in the floods and that you will help us to grow in you. We pray all this in your perfect son's name, amen.